Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, my friends. How is it going? Happy Tuesday. Yes, I am saying Tuesday this week and moving forward. I decided to change the day I release my episodes and I decided to move it to Tuesday because I just think it's a more efficient day for me in the long run. But uh, if you are new to this podcast, then you obviously didn't know that previously I released my episodes on Wednesdays. But either way, this really should not affect or impact too much of the overall dynamic of the podcast, simply because I'm just making it a day earlier. If you are new here, hi, my name is Emily. I am the host of the What Fulfills You podcast. I've been doing this for a couple of months now. And on this show, I primarily talk about careers, relationships, self-improvement, and all that jazz, primarily for those of you in your 20s, because I think it can be quite a struggle during this time, and especially with the current events, I think now more than ever, we need a little bit of mental guidance and focus, and hearing it from people not so far off from our age or have been through similar experiences. I love having those discussions. But before we begin, two things I want to touch on. Uh, first things first is my career ebook. For those of you who don't know, I released a career focused ebook back in early May. And it is really ideal for, I personally would say, young females in college right now probably between 19 and 22, or ideally probably going into sophomore year through just graduating college. And what I put in this ebook, I really spent a lot of time on developing um, custom resume templates, uh, custom cover letters, and the whole route that I went through uh, personally to set myself up for success in my job search. As most of you know, I work a eight to five sales job and I've experienced a lot and I really enjoy it. And um, I think it's something so many people have asked me how I was able to obtain this job offer uh, pretty rapidly. And um, I just really share all these thoughts in this ebook and you can just find more details on my blog at emilyelizabeth.blog and it is in the shop section. All right, so moving on to today's guest, I have Eric Z Yang on this conversation today and he is the founder of Lead Next Gen and he's also a virtual summit expert. So before I dive into his bio, I thought I would share how I came across him, and it's actually through LinkedIn, which is a network and community I elaborate so much on in 
terms of business networking, finding jobs, being in a specific industry. And I believe Eric and I were connected for months now, maybe even sometime last year. And so when I was going through my network to find if I could find anyone interesting to interview for my podcast, as I am very selective, I came across Eric and um, I've definitely seen posts from him as well on my newsfeed. And I just found what he was doing very fascinating. It's very different. And I simply reached out to him and we were able to connect and schedule a time. So here it is today, but let's dive into his background. So Eric was born and raised in Paris and he flew to the United States at 18 to pursue his entrepreneurial dream without any network, net worth, or business experience. Not wanting to fake it to make it, Eric realized he could invite speakers to share their expertise at his event and sell tickets to attend his conference and built his first six-figure conference before turning 20. After realizing that in-person conferences were unscalable, Eric dove deep into the virtual summit business model in 2017. Since then, his events have gathered over 50,000 attendees across 40 countries. His virtual summit agency has hosted a vast range of topics such as short-term rentals, e-learning, digital agency growth, cryptocurrency, dropshipping, and so much more. Eric is also the author of Virtual Summit Launch Formula and host of the Fuck College podcast. So this conversation is very exciting. I won't reveal much more. I think this is going to be super valuable, especially because his answers are very sharp to the point. And for me personally, this was probably one of the most moving conversations for me for where I am at in life. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Well, hey, Eric, thank you for joining me today. First off, I know things are going pretty crazy right now with COVID. How are you doing and how have you been feeling over the past few weeks? So thank you for having me, Emily. Uh, things with COVID has been quite intense, right? It's been a roller coaster of emotions and adaptation for a lot of people uh, in the entrepreneurial world. And thankfully, my business has been doing increasingly well because of it, because of the closure of uh, in-person conferences shifting to the virtual summit space. And uh, I'm lucky enough to be in a country where people wear masks every single day, even like five, six months after COVID has started. And uh, I have a lot of friends back in the U.S. who are obviously in a way worse situation, but uh, trying to adapt, trying to be grateful for all the things we have and uh, excited to dive into today's sessions. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited too. And I'm glad to hear you're doing you know, well and, and that your business is thriving. Um, let's definitely dive into your background. I know I mentioned earlier, I found you through my connections and network on LinkedIn. And as I mentioned, I find what you do very unique and fascinating, especially at this age. Can you share a little bit more about what you do and your background um, in getting here? Yeah, I'll share like a quick little background yeah. because I want uh, us to spend more time on the uh, goody stuff. Right. <laughs> so, so my name is Eric Ziyang. I was born and raised in Paris. Uh, I'm the, uh, my, both my parents are Chinese immigrants. And growing up, I always wanted to have a business. And something that I realized was that my environment was really important to, uh, 
to grow and, and thrive as a business entrepreneur. And those circumstances and environments weren't really viable back in Paris. So a lot of people ask me, like, why do you go from Paris or France to the U.S. when, you know, Europe is a really thriving country or a continent? And the question I always ask myself uh, as, I, as I grew up older is where can I find people who are doing what I want to do? And how close can I be to those people? And when I made a list when I was 18, 19 of all the type of people that I want to be around, like the list seem to be more guided towards the US. So what I did is I flew to the US and uh, enrolled into a community college in a West Coast, mm -hmm. uh, Santa Barbara, for those of you guys who know where it is in California. Because first of all, I, I always knew I wasn't going to be graduating from college, but I need a visa to be in the US. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I couldn't stay longer than two or three months uh, at a time. So I enrolled into community college, went to a uh, good school, uh, you know, to satisfy my Chinese parents to actually <laughs> be on track of getting a degree, but I didn't tell them that I was mm. expecting to wrap up my business was taking out. Mm -hmm. uh, but because the classes were easy, I was able to do my homework and get good grades while I spent almost every single weekend at entrepreneurial workshops, networking events, or business conferences so that I could surround myself with people that were like-minded. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest challenges that I had going to those entrepreneurial events, and I'm sure that if you went to uh, entrepreneurial events at a young age, Emily, when you go to those conferences, they were either not a lot of Asians Mm -hmm. And slash or they weren't a lot of like entrepreneurs under 25 mm -hmm. that were looking to build a genuine good business as opposed to showing up the Lamborghini that they just rented or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> you know, like that, that that's not my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um but uh I realized there was a gap and I didn't want to fake until I made it. And you know, being in the US and not having business experience, network or net worth, I felt, hey, you know what I could do? I could you know, host one of those events that I wish I had. And this is what mm. I did two years later, where I hosted my first in-person conference called the Millennial Entrepreneur Network, which was a one-time thing where at 20, by the end of it, I was able to gather like 15 plus entrepreneurs under 35, gather 100 plus attendees who pay tickets for the conference. And this was my first six figure at 20. And I Soon after that, I dropped out of college and pursued my entrepreneurial journey from there. Wow, that is very incredible. And I do resonate with you on, you know, that concept of pleasing the parents, getting a degree. And <laughs> as an Asian background myself, I'm Vietnamese. So I, I do understand that. I am curious because I know at this point too, with entrepreneurship growing and so many of those in their 20s now very curious about pursuing something for themselves, whether that is a business or something of that nature. How did you overcome the obstacle of explaining to your parents or rather, you know, whether it's getting their approval or just being able to move forward with this passion of yours without letting the opinion or that opposition of your parents get in your way? That is a really good question, Millie. Uh, that's a really, really good question. Uh, my answer to that is don't tell your parents what you're doing mm. until you have success. <laughs> because if you are telling them before you even started, 
of course they're not gonna say yes mm-hmm. uh, what, what you have to keep in mind at the end of the day is your parents want you to be happy to be financially free and to be you know secure over, with your own income right and mm-hmm. when they say like you should go to school you should get a job this is in their mind what is the best thing for you because of what they know within their and their world right mm-hmm. and obviously if you don't want that it is your responsibility to find a alternative path and be able to achieve the same things that you want for yourself which is at the end of the day what is it like you to be happy to be financially independent and to be able to grow as a person right Mm -hmm. and if you especially as an asian person comes in and challenge your parents like hey mom and dad i want to build a business i don't want to go to school and i don't know how i'm going to do it i don't know what i'm going to do but can i just do it of course, they are probably going to say like, no, go back to school. What the hell are you talking about? Are you on the mm-hmm. drugs or what? Like, mm-hmm. that's not going to work, right? The right. only way that's going to quote, unquote, convince them is you doing what they want you to do or at least do the minimum enough for them to be happy or not annoying you about it. And mm-hmm. on the side, you hustling to build your own thing. And when you have some success where you're in a position where you know that if you were to present that to them, it's like, hey, mom and dad, uh, I, you know, I've, I've gone to school for two years, three, four, five, whatever that is. And on the side, I've been building a business. It has generated quite a lot of money now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually looking to take some time off from school for a year, six months for a year, right? You don't tell mm-hmm. them you drop out. And I didn't tell right. my mom and dad I dropped out. I was like, hey, mom okay. and dad, can I take a gap here to focus on my business? Which I knew uh-huh. I was never going to go back unless I had misery, see. right? Okay. And, and, you know, after that year, my business like grew from, the, from there. And then my parents like sometimes still ask me like, hey, are you thinking about going back to school? I'm like, maybe one day if my business is not working so well. But now uh-huh. they know after four years, like I'm not going back. <laughs> but <laughs> the whole equation, right, is being able to come into the conversation w- with a position of strength and know exactly what you need to do to get what you want uh, without being the person that is trying to quote unquote figure out in front of them. Hustle your way in, uh, you know, be the this like duck that paddling on the water like really hard while you seem really calm on the surface and when you actually have the success that you have this is when you bring up to your parents if they ever ask you or if you need a gap here or whatever to focus on Mm -hmm. your endeavors so would you say i i I agree with all that too i i 100 agree you shouldn't tell them until you know you really have a clear concept and a clear vision to what you're doing and more importantly have some results to back some of that up right mm-hmm. obviously you mentioned that you were telling them initially you're only taking a gap year but in your mind you knew that was not really going to happen you were not going to go back to school did your parents eventually kind of cave in within that year or two um after you weren't back at school were they starting to accept it or were they still a little bit apprehensive to what you were doing yeah no uh they were (laughs) (laughs) they were like hey eric like it's been a year now like what are you gonna do uh i'm like you know what uh give me an extra six months um i'm just doing really well right now i need to uh, create a system i need to hire employees like so i can like Mm -hmm. maybe going back to school uh, the key word is potentially going back to school, right? And I, I never said yes. Mm. I never said no. I said maybe, right? Um, Smart. And you never want to be in conflict with your parents. You always want to give them what they want to hear without deceiving them. 
And this is what I try to do in the best way where I give them the answer that made them happy and hopeful for the near future. And then slowly putting them in into the the world that I was creating because they were seeing me mm. thriving, being happy, uh, being financially independent without a college degree. And they were like, you know, slowly accepting my way of living because they were seeing the success I was having without it. Mm. And even though mm. the yes, it would be better for them to have the son get a degree so they can actually show off to their friends, all kind of stuff. <laughs> Right. But at the yes. end of the day, like when you sit down with your parents, like, or when you're about to sit down with your parents, you got to realize and understand that you're living a life for you. And if your parents generally don't understand, or they're like, you have to go to college, you have to get a degree. And it doesn't make sense for you when you actually give them like strong arguments of why you should not, then it's not about you. It's about them. When it comes uh-huh. to you going to college or you getting a degree. And then from that angle, it is impossible for you to persuade your parents, right? So, so my advice is if you do want to go, not go to college, my question to you is, okay, cool. What is the alternative path? What kind of success do you need to not go to school anymore? Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people either drop out of college without a plan mm-hmm. or they drop out of college too soon. Or they go in conflict with the parents, so now they have to prove their parents wrong. Mm. And the entrepreneurial journey is like stressful enough. Like if you have to prove your parents wrong on top of that, you're adding unneeded pressure. Exactly. Wow. I could not agree more as well with with what you said there in how you're very wise in the way you approach your parents. Let me say that because I need to take a piece of your advice there. You know, as a female, I'd say I'm a little bit more sometimes when I would explain or be in opposition of my parents, I would continue to add and oppose rather than your approach, which I recently learned is a much wiser way of going about it in in kind of letting them hear what they want to hear or please them in a way while not deceiving them, right? And um, while being able to continue to do mm. what you do on your own, I guess, without that approval in the meantime. But was was that something that ever, I guess, was a discrepancy between, you know, like, did it not bother you that you were pursuing something in the meantime that you knew deep down, they didn't know truth about it yet? Like, was that hard for you? Or were you able to stay extremely focused on the growth of your business and on your ultimate vision and, and not let, you know, whatever your parents were thinking or whatever that could be bother you? That is another great question, Emily. Uh, that is really, you're really good at this. Um, Thank you. I think that, I don't know with your experience going to college uh, that mm. much, but I would love to hear it is for me, at least going to school and going to class, listening to teachers talk about business when they had never built a business themselves. <laughs> I literally wanted to shoot myself. It was like, <laughs> like, like, why, why, why? Right. Like it's like taking advice about health from someone who's not fit or someone mm-hmm. who's overweight. Like it doesn't make sense for me, for me to pay money to a school to from a teacher who's not qualified to teach. Mm-hmm. Right. And every day, uh, and that's not against like my 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 uh classmate, but I was surrounded by people that I didn't want to be surrounded by. Mm-hmm. The people I want to be surrounded by as a 19, 20, 21 aspiring entrepreneur are mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. Not wanna be entrepreneurs, not people who are in a pre-phase of building a business, 
I wanted to be in a room of entrepreneurs who are actually doing what I wanted to do. Right. And every day, four days out of a week, I, it, it was almost like a strong reminder of, if I don't make this work, this is where I'm going to go back every mm. single day. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, it was dreadful. Yes, it was not exciting. But again, like I, I was under the financial uh, investment of my parents who allowed mm. me to go to the U.S., to right. you know, pay for like five thousand US dollars per semester for school, mm-hmm. and this was my part of the transaction where I had to fulfill for mm-hmm. me to be able to then do what I want to do. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't take your money, your parents' money, and not do what they want to do. Like mm-hmm. you can't have both ends. Right. Like you, what you want to do is you want to know what you have to deliver, how you can create more time to do what you want to do. And how you can achieve that so that you can do more of what you want to do and less of what you don't want to do. And the way that I navigated my way through college is I always try to match my classes with someone else who will be in either the same class, but in a different day. So I'll have the homework, I'll have the test so that, you know, I not cheat, but I will just copy heavily from what I have and mm-hmm. get some new results. So that I have more time to spend on connecting people, being on connection calls, or going to networking events, then from there, being able to build my network and always be reminded of what I want to have and also what I don't want to have by living it every single day. Hmm. Wow, that is so wise. And you mentioned, I really like that you said how you were so driven to be around people who were already in the shoes of what you wanted to do. And well, first off, how old are you right now? I'm 24 now. 24. Oh, okay. I'm 23. So, okay. Hey. Not too far apart. <laughs> so I, I totally get, I, I couldn't feel more aligned with what you're saying, especially the fact that when I was 19 and 20 as well, I was building my e-commerce business. And I remember when I was in college, I went to school and I'm actually in Southern California. So I went to school in California as well. And I remember not feeling that fulfilled being around and hearing the conversations of students my own age, right? Because their level of thinking or what they're thinking about what they want to do was at a whole different spectrum of what I was already envisioning. And of course, too, there's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to kind of take it day by day and figure it out as you go, right? But Mm. there are those key people like us that have had some sort of experience in life that we just kind of per se, figured it out a little bit quicker or figured it out what we really wanted to do. We we're so driven by it. How did you not get discouraged with not having as many friends or people your own age doing it? I find that a lot of people from my audience share, you know, let's say they they want to do graphic design, they want mm. to do freelancing, whatever it is, you know, they might be 19 right now and they're around a bunch of 19 and 20 year olds in school but all of them are still so focused on partying and college and yeah. the classic routine. So what's your advice to them on being able to stay focused in their lane? It is really tough for someone to walk down a tunnel where you don't see the end of it, right? It can be really discouraging and you might think that you're crazy most of the time. I can guarantee like almost most of the time, like, hey, is what I'm doing normal? 
No, right? Entrepreneurship and being an entrepreneur and being a successful entrepreneur is not the norm. Otherwise, everyone else would do it, right? So that's something you have to remind yourself that this path is not for everyone because not everyone can do it. Uh, a concrete and actionable um, thing that really helped me to, to get some light out of this end of the tunnel was meeting someone who was young and successful and seeing them being successful despite being young really helped me because once someone is a walking definition of what is possible for you, then this becomes reality. Because if you're always surrounded by people who are doing certain things, then you're heavily going to be influenced by what they do. But once you see someone who's living and existing, that's not like someone who's just like someone who's show off their Lamborghini or something, but someone who's genuinely good, someone who is not only like a good person, but a great entrepreneur, a really mature person, and he or she has something that you want because he or she is living the lifestyle that you want as well. And when you meet them in person, even more powerfully than if you were to be online, then you realize it's possible. The next step is really important because then it is your responsibility to ask them how they did it. Because if a wheel has worked for them, it will work for you. And it is your responsibility to model after what works and to hear how they have done it. Uh, not only the stories, but the actionable steps that allow them to become successful who they are today and also hear their thoughts on what not to do so that you can actually avoid wasting the time or the money or the energy that they have spent to figure this out. There was this person like, there was this person for me like when I was like 19. He was just 20, about to turn 21. And he just you know, built a seven-figure business, uh, writing books and sending how to write books to people and publish on Amazon. It was like, you're like 20. How the hell did you write free books, sell like tens of thousands of copies and sell them on Amazon? And when this person told me like what they did, it was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. I want to copy after you. And this is just genius. And every single day uh, when I was in college, it's like, I want to be less with those people who are next to my you know, desk at college and want to be more around the people just like this person that I just met. Hmm. What did you do during those days that you felt discouraged? We both know the path in entrepreneurship and figuring it out and pursuing something we desire for ourselves at such a young age is difficult, especially if we're not getting the normal emotional support from parents or loved ones, a community of people. What were you telling yourself on the rough days to get through it? What's the alternative? Like <laughs> it's, uh, okay. it's, it's rise and die kind of situation, right? Like, yes, it's going to be tough, but what's going to be even tougher is live the life that you don't want to live. And I know it's kind of cliche, but it is really real when you are like jumping between two lines, when you're a student in college, where every day you're in an environment that you don't want to be in. And it is rough, but at least you're moving towards something, right? Yes, you might not succeed all the time and nor should anyone expect you to have 100% success rates. But when you are hustling, when you are failing, you, at least you're failing forward. You're doing something to get out of mm -hmm. what you don't want to have. 
And that's a great mm-hmm. reminder to appreciate yourself in the midst of the emotions and motion of you doing something as opposed to you complaining about it and not doing anything. So regardless of what you do, even when you feel discouraged, yes, you might suck in a moment, but you are actually doing great and you don't even know it because you don't have the lens and perspective that allows you to appreciate the, the, what you're doing right now. So that's one thing, mm-hmm. right? The second thing is when you feel discouraged, it's important for you to know how to refuel yourself. What do I mean? Great question. Uh, <laughs> uh, when you are someone who is discouraged because of a lack of environment, then it is your responsibility to find people who you can connect with to be able to uh, refuel your energy, to refuel your hope, to refuel your uh, mindset. And I think a podcast is a great way for you to do it. Where I, what I didn't have, or what I wish I had was a podcast when I was like 1920, because I literally did 15 connection calls of half an hour almost every week for six, eight, nine months. And I met and I talked to so many entrepreneurs so that I can almost put like a noise canceling like headphone around my ear where I was feeling myself with discussion and conversation that were actually people that I want to be around. So what you're doing right now, Emily, is really great. Uh, and I think that podcasting is a tool that anyone can have and, and can create without needing to be an expert because the way you're doing right now, Emily, is mm-hmm. even though you might be an expert in a field, but even if you're not, you can add out someone else, be the expert and have their sh- them share the thoughts that mm-hmm. you want to share to your audience. And you're acting as a tower of information and distribution, like a radio tower, where mm-hmm. you are able to host someone who has all information and you are acting as the distributor of knowledge to the rest of the world, whoever listens to your podcast. And I think that mm-hmm. uh, podcast is a great way to do it. Other people like Tim Ferriss, they actually wrote a book mm-hmm. out of it where they record interviews and transcribe to a book so they can be a published author. And there's a lot of ways for you to be able to add value to people's network while learning and getting paid to learn. Um, and I think that's yeah. something that I realized that a lot of people don't know how to, but it is extremely easy once you have the mindset and the resourcefulness to be able to do so. Hmm. Uh, that's very valuable advice. And I couldn't agree more with finding the right community and the right people to connect with. Um, but I definitely want to dive into a little bit more of exactly what you do. And I know you mentioned you initially started out with a in-person um, you know, network summit. Now you clearly do much more of a focused online and virtual summits. Can you explain why you chose this route? I'm assuming you, it looks like you'd started this route years ago prior to COVID, right? And obviously now it's, um, it's going, it's going to go in a great direction for you. Why did you go specifically in this kind of niche? Um, so my first virtual summit was in 2017. So it's been three years already. And I hosted my first conference four years ago. And the biggest pain point I had four years ago was spending tens, not tens of thousands, thousands of US dollars on a venue that I didn't even own. Meaning that I spent six, seven months getting all these speakers, attendees, building a website, building a brand, working my way to create a room of 100 people, which which was amazing by itself. But literally the day after the event ended, I had nothing. And yes, I'm going to have the brand. Yes, I'm going to have the network, but I didn't have the platform, right? 
And owning a platform is key, especially if you want to build a community, right? And I just felt like, oh, like this is just so frustrating. It doesn't make sense to my Asian blood to just pay so much money and not own it, right? And I was like, what can I do? All right, cool. And I did some research. And remember the guy I just mentioned earlier, the guy who was the walking definition of what was possible? I met him like 2014, so three years before I hosted my first virtual summit. And the way that he scaled his business from five to seven figure was through a virtual summit. And what a virtual summit is, for those of you who don't know, it's basically an online conference where you invite someone that you would invite speakers in an in-person conference. You ask them to share knowledge, you record it on video, and you create a landing page or funnel that allows people to watch recordings for X amount of times. So the way we do it is you trade in your email for free tickets. We're able to watch uh, people uh, deliver the content on a actionable and uh, sequential way and being able to do that in a way that allows you to grow your authority email list and network uh, in, a, in a sense that you are able to use other people's authority to attach it to your own and gather thousands of people, literally, because it's online, to attend your conference. And my first conference, Emily, it literally generated like, I would say 10 to 15 times more profit than my in-person conference in half the time of producing it. Uh, I, I had a thousand attendees, 10 times more attendees. I, I literally generated uh, $9,000 from the summit, but I generated like 89,000 US dollars out of the summit after it. And I was able to get 30,000 US dollar clients from the speakers two years later who saw what I was doing. I was able to get 15 plus speaking engagements two weeks after the virtual summit. I was approached by companies I never heard of that wanted to sponsor me despite not having email list. They gave me like 6,000 US dollars to sponsor my events and I didn't have anything. I just had the speakers and they're like, wow, we have so many good speakers. I would love to be a sponsor. And you know, like, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, like I was going to say no to that. And, and especially with COVID-19 where in-person conferences are not a actuality. Um, it, it is a growing trend. And, you know, I, I've been doing it for three years and I seen the power of someone like going from zero email list to 8,200 without spending any money from their own pocket where, we specialize in like self-learning with sponsorship and uh, yeah, it's been doing great. And I think that it is a lot of work compared to a podcast, but the results are exponentially greater as well. In my opinion, it is a matter of like where you want to focus your time in, but what we also talk about, what I talk about with people who are in college or high schoolers even is the power of becoming a knowledge broker, which is something you're doing greatly here as well. I mean, meaning that, you don't need to be an expert. You don't need to be know it all. And you don't need to fake it until you make it, which is a horrible advice for most people. Um, you just need to find the people that have the knowledge that you want, ask them the questions, and get paid to distribute that information to the rest of the world. Your role is just be the tower of communication, the media platform. And I, I will finish on that is the fact that if you look at the biggest media platform in the world, Forbes, Inc., or the greatest podcasters or the greatest like offers, what they do is they crowdsource their knowledge, like a Kickstarter, right? Like where you crowdfund, like you crowdsource your knowledge and information from people who already have it. And you act yourself 
as a mediator that which allows you to not make it, to not fake until you make it to actually add value to the speakers to add value to the experts while also being able to distribute that information to the to the attendees or readers and you being the person that breaks down the knowledge from point a which is where the speakers have in point z which is where the audience are be able to grow your network your authority and being able to learn from the very best, the way that Napoleon Hill from Think, uh, Think and Grow Rich, he has done the exact same thing where he interviewed like 500 of the richest entrepreneurs in the US and he was able to put his name on a cover and his name is what we remember him for, not the people who actually gave the contents. Hmm. That is actually very wise. And I'm curious, how did you land all the great speakers when you first started out on that first virtual summit you were starting at zero what did you do exactly to get those top speakers that then um, landed you that six thousand dollar sponsorship how did it work the reality is speakers love to speak right and the pitch is you putting yourself in their shoes when it comes to speaking how much work will it take for them to gather a hundred, five hundred, or thousand, maybe five thousand of the ideal audience in a room without doing any work. Right? That is your role as a coordinator or host to actually get the attention, right? For them to be able to say, hey, I want to spend half an hour of my time to speak in front of 1,000 ideal people. Like that requires a lot of work, a lot of time and a lot of energy. And you being able to present them all the things that they want in a format that doesn't cost them any time or energy to talk about what they love to talk about, which is most of the time themselves. This is how you get the speakers. And we were able to get like the CEOs of billion dollar companies for that. Like we got a CEO of Century 21 for a real estate conference, despite not having an email list. We were able to have the CEOs of billion dollar companies and crypto industry. We were able to have people who run ads for Tony Robbins at scale people who were actually the top of the top on podcasting world. And I was able to ask them selfish questions that I had to go my own business. And each one of those sessions would have been like a $10,000 like straight session if I were to pay them. But I use Virtual Summit or you can use it as a podcast interview as a way for you to get almost like a VIP session with the speakers that you don't have to pay for. And my greatest you know, thing when it comes to uh, your entrepreneurship or being an entrepreneur is asking yourself, like, how can you get paid to do something that you might have done uh, if otherwise, right? Like, even if you were to do it, like, how can you find ways to get paid to do what you want to do? And if you want to learn from the very best, the question you can ask yourself is, how can I find ways to get paid to you learn from the very best? And the best way for you to know that is to learn from people who have done it and understand their system and apply within your ecosystem of thoughts and, and world and industry and be able to go from there. Mm, great answer. Thank you, Eric. And a very simple last question I ask everyone on this podcast, what fulfills you in life? You know what makes me really happy is every single time when I meet someone who's young, who's kick-ass and even more if they are Asian because the Asian community is under like represented in the entrepreneurial community, it just makes me happy because when you are building a business, business entrepreneurship is a really lonely journey. Even if you have employees, being a CEO is you being stuck with your own thoughts 
And when you meet like-minded people who are on the same path as you, who are sharing the similar values, who are sharing similar thoughts, who are growing and nurturing and expanding their business alongside of other people, just like you, it is really fulfilling to be able to share that journey and be able to look back and, and look at all the impact that we have done, whatever that means to you and other people, and be able to talk about it like 10, 20, 30 years from now. Like, hey, do you remember when we were like 18, 20, 25, when we had nothing and looking back at what we have now and like the friendship that we have nurtured together and the impact that we have generated because of our actions and business and be able to be like 40 and 50 and realize that not only has the friendship survived, but more and more people are benefiting from your action. So this is when you realize that it was all worth it. All the sweat, the tears, the blood, even uh, the stress, the white hair. If you have white hair at 25 or 30, it was all worth it because those people might have been lost or it might have taken them much longer to get to where they are if it wasn't for us. And in some way that should be grateful for the people that you came across in your life the mentors, the teachers, the people who actually made your life shitty, you should be grateful for them because otherwise you might have taken you extra steps or extra miles to get to where you are today. I couldn't agree more with your answer, Eric. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. And I hope you continue to stay safe and you know sane during this COVID thing. And I'm sure we'll connect again soon. Likewise, you bet. Thank you so much, Emily. Wow, what an awesome episode with Eric. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. And obviously, I would say I always enjoy each conversation, but this one was very personal and relatable to me. As you guys heard, Eric and I discussed the obstacles that come with having first-generation Asian parents and immigrants. Um, And... It's definitely a tough battle to overcome any kind of parent obstacle when it comes to doing what you want for your own life and them being in a position of where they've already lived through your years. They feel like they know best because of their years above you. And I think Eric touches on a really key skill and practice to do if you are someone as well, regardless of if this relates to doing your own business or doing your own thing. It literally can be anything in life when it comes to that obstacle with parents. And he does mention things that I haven't really implemented that well yet with my own parents. But the first thing is not telling them too much about what I do. Um, And And I agree with this because I think out of habit, when I share kind of like the good news or the things that are happening for the projects I'm doing, oftentimes it's either between a combination of them not understanding completely what's the impact of it. And secondly, if I did ever decide to take the things that I do full time, if it's sustainable, right? Because Eric mentioned one of the core things that our parents one for us, regardless of their culture, is financial stability and happiness and safety. That is just the basic Maslow hierarchy of needs, if you guys are familiar with that. So I think 
if I had to have like a main takeaway from this conversation for me personally, it would be about being more strategic on how I navigate my own life with my own direction without letting outside noise, particularly my parents and their loving and caring opinion get in my own uh, lane and my own direction because even though there are people that love us and want the best for us, they still don't know the full view of what we have in front of us and what we're capable of doing. So I hope that's a good reminder for any of you as well who ever feel doubt from your parents or feel doubt from any loved ones in regards to you wanting to pursue something that is for yourself and is rather a more risky avenue compared to the alternative. So that's my personal takeaway. Uh, Be sure to check out some of Eric's content. He really is a strong, strategic business entrepreneurial thinker. So it's really great for those of you who want to be in that, you know, field or want to have that kind of thinking applied to your own life, regardless of what career path you go down and regardless of where you are personally. I think this mindset is something I love and it's uh, kind of similar to Gary Vaynerchuk if I'm going to be honest. So um, if that sounds good to you, please do check out Eric's content. And until next week, guys, stay safe, stay sane, and I'll chat with you all next time. Bye.